0: Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson podcast on JustTheNews.com. I hope you'll check out all the Just The News podcasts. You can go to JustTheNews.com and see the list of them on the homepage. Today, a fascinating interview with a really great investigative reporter named Paul Thacker who probably has better insight than most into the conflict of interest among scientists and science reporters when it comes to COVID information. Paul Thacker is a science reporter and, let me say, a real science reporter, not one of the writers who writes for so-called science publications that are now taking political and ideological stands at the expense of science. So many of them are squelching science, pushing narratives in many ways that are anti-science. Well, Thacker was a lead investigator of the Senate Finance Committee, where he specialized in examining corruption in the medical and pharmaceutical industries. Today, he gives some inside information and insight on recently public emails of Dr. Anthony Fauci, and the shocking conflicts of interest among public health officials and scientists that have jeopardized public health during the COVID pandemic. I guess you could say he helps explain why so many so-called science writers are proceeding in such an unscientific way when it comes to covering COVID. If people aren't super well versed on all the topics at hand, like they know there's a lot of controversy about COVID and science and but if they're just casually watching the news Just a little teaser of our conversation. What would you say that might kind of blow their mind or surprise them?
1: Um, I think the one thing that has that like, I think would blow their mind because it blew my mind when I first figured this out is there has been a concerted effort by researchers at the National Institutes of Health and many of the virologists that they fund, you know, at other institutions, researchers at academic institutions all over the world to label anyone who brings up the possibility that this pandemic could have started from a lab accident in Wuhan, China, to label them a conspiracy theorist, to label them a nut job, to um, uh, accuse them of anti-Asian bias, which is kind of like the racism angle has kind of dropped off, I think, a little bit. And I think, I think the racism thing kind of dropped off, I would say, like last summer, because people started pointing out, they're like, well, why is it racist to say that it came from a lab, but it's not racist to say that it came from a food market in China? Like, how does that work? Like, how did you construct that one in your head? And like, no one could give an answer to it because it was crazy. Like, it never made any sense, you know?
0: Well, let's dive right in to the Fauci emails because there was always when I started learning more facts and looking at the grant documents and seeing that what was being reported was wrong and false, you know, this is early on surprised me too, even though I understand some of what's happened to science. Right. um, I came up with the theory that, which I think is kind of borne out if, Dr. Fauci were involved in the funding decisions. We did fund the Wuhan lab. We did fund gain of function research here in the United States. We did fund right. research in partnership with the Chinese scientists, communist, right. Chinese, which by the way, almost the whole scientific community thinks is ill-advised. They don't right. know why we're paying our adversary to do sensitive research that could be very dangerous, but this is a decision made um, by NIH and our, Defense Department and the U.S. Right. Agency for International Development. So then these people who are in charge of our policy and who are debunking the lab theory ahead of time before there's been an investigation, they have a vested interest in not letting people know it came from the lab if it did or not letting people ask questions because they're part of that um, that intersection.
1: Right. And well, they're, 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 they're directly implicated.
0: Well, and so that's worse than what you think. If, if a major... The, arguably the single most important person in this country when it comes to policy and who people are listening to, Dr. Fauci, is directly involved in the controversy and didn't disclose that, by the way, when he was debunking the lab theory and just trying to discredit other scientists. That seems extremely serious.
1: Well, uh, it's, it's interesting because to some degree, he was directly debunking but in other ways, what he was doing is, is he was sort of very silently behind the scenes saying nothing. I mean, let's, let's be clear about Anthony Fauci. This is not a man who's shy about expressing an opinion about things or pointing out when he sees things that are wrong in the media. And we saw studies come out that called it a conspiracy theory. We had people go on the news all the time, call it a conspiracy theory. At most, Anthony Fauci never denied, never tried to debunk what these people were saying, right. He sat back and just let it all happen. And then what's happened over the last, I would say the, it was probably, I first became aware of the sort of craziness of all of this, I would say in like late 2020. And what happened with me was I read something that said it was a conspiracy theory to say that it came from a lab in Wuhan. And I was like, but why? Like, I mean, I don't know how this thing happened. It could have come from a lab. Like, we don't know. There's no evidence. Like, just tell us where this thing came from. We're trying to figure it out. So I would post this kind of stuff on Facebook. And I would have these other science. I don't call these people reporters. I call them science writers because they don't do reporting. They write about science. And they would be, you know, saying things about my Facebook, you know, post, how I was wrong, How I had, you know, what um, I was going to the dark side for reporting, you know, for posting this kind of stuff, which I thought was just very strange. And then I think the first thing that kind of punched through it all was an article in New York magazine around late 2020, early 2021 that argued it came from a lab. And this totally panicked and freaked out science writers at the New York Times, Nature Magazine, Science Magazine. This is craziness. It wasn't just that. There's a guy who writes for a public radio station in New York. I I don't know what the, was it WNYC, I think is which one it is, who compared people who argued that it could have come come from a lab with climate deniers, that they're the same as climate deniers. (laughs) I've seen there's a reporter who writes for Scientific American who made the link between people who's uh, a book out right now that talks about the lab leak and said, this book reminder of a book on Holocaust denial. This is what she tweeted. Um, so it's, it's just been completely crazy. And what's happened is, is that over time emails have come out that have been picking all of this apart. And that's basically, you know, what's happened. And, and, and I think the first thing that, that, that started all this off were some early emails that were released through a Freedom of Freedom Information Act request by a small group called US Right to Know. And what these emails showed is that one of the very first publications that came out arguing there was a conspiracy theory, right? It was in the Lancet, and like right after the pandemic started. And it said, we support our Chinese colleagues and people who say that it may have happened from a lab are engaging in conspiracy theories. Well, come to find out, that publication was orchestrated behind the scenes by a guy named Peter Daszak, who runs a small nonprofit called the EcoHealth Alliance, which is funded by the NIH to do gain-of-function studies and whose subcontractor and collaborator is Shi Li of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And so this- Because I
0: I read those, that finding is pretty, Shocking, but I don't think they disclosed that in their letter and should have.
1: No, that none of, so none of this was disclosed at the time. And, and then what happened is- Let me, let me say is, a little more clearly,
0: you gave a lot of detail. Yeah. People writing a letter saying this is a conspiracy theory are connecting hey. the actual funding and the-
1: Are actually connected to the lab in Wuhan that that their subcontractor is Shi Li of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. This was not disclosed in the letter that was filed with um, the Lancet. Not only that, but something like five or six of the signatories of that letter use their academic affiliations, like Professor University of Maryland, instead of disclosing consultant to EcoHealth Alliance, right, which is funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So this stuff comes out, it takes the Lancet almost eight months to correct this letter. And what you find is that Peter Daszak, the guy who orchestrated the whole letter, who runs EcoHealth Alliance, his conflicts of interest go from like no conflicts of interest to just huge graphs of like disclosure. I mean, that you just don't- he's normally. he's
0: forced it when they do the correction and he's forced to disclose his conflicts.
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you how he disclosed it, because this just came out just about a, a couple weeks ago. He discloses this stuff in like this last summertime. The th- it's one of the longest disc- disclosures I've ever read. I was I tweeted out that it read almost like a Russian novel. It was so long. And it was this huge, long disclosure. And he also then was kicked off of this committee by The Lancet to go and investigate how the pandemic started he was he was on the, the world health organization's trip to wuhan believe it or not so the he's, insanity he's a, he's of that the
0: nexus of the potential investigation but he's on the committee investigating whether this happened. he was
1: investigating himself i, I told someone because like and then and then what people were tra- saying is is that well but this is good because he has good ties to wuhan and i described this as if um uh They, you know, the federal government was going to investigate Trump's taxes and they brought it. Who was this? Who was the the former mayor of New York City again? Um, Giuliani. uh, Giuliani. Yeah. And the IRS hired Giuliani to help on the investigation because who else would know more about Trump's taxes than Giuliani? I mean, that's the level of insanity that we're talking about here. Let's hire this person's own, you know, helper friend. To do the investigation of them. So that's what happened. So then this gets disclosed. The Lancet Commission to investigate just totally falls apart. It gets shut down because the guy in charge of it says there's too many ties to the Eco Health Alliance. We can't do this anymore. And then about three weeks ago, there was a hearing in the British Parliament.
0: And you said... you said the Lancet investigation fell apart. Was it Lancet or the World Health Organization investigation?
1: So there was the World Health Organization. They went to Wuhan. They did an investigation, came back. It was totally criticized by everyone across the planet, including the Biden administration. The Biden administration finally had enough of this. But the Lancet had their own commission to do a run investigation. Well, that thing just shut down because there's just too much controversy with Peter Daszak. So that shut down this summer. Now, two three weeks ago there was a a hearing in parliament and the editor-in-chief of the lancet was testifying and he actually said that it took them so because he was asked like what took you so long to like fix this guy's conflicts of interest and he said well it took us a while because we had to talk to him and convince him that it was a conflict of interest and you know he and i was and I, i was listening to this i was thinking like you're the editor of the journal. Like (laughs) you have to convince someone like putting a piece in your, in your journal that they have a conflict of interest. Like you can't make that decision on your own. It was the weirdest, you know, attempt to try and justify issues. And then about six weeks ago, a new batch of emails came out and we found out that there was another one of these orchestrated, um, uh, 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 opinion pieces in another journal. This one's called Emerging. Uh, e- it's EMI, Emerging Viruses or whatever. This was an editorial that came out right as that pandemic started, and it again said this is a conspiracy theory to say that it came from a lab. And the emails show that the authors of this had Shi Zhengli of the Wuhan Institute of Virology edit it for them. It's in the emails. It says, you know, see see Zengli's, you know, edits, and the other person they had edit it was Ralph Barrick of the University of North Carolina, who also does gain-of-function research and who collaborates with EcoHealth Alliance. And in there, he said very explicitly, um, they asked him, "Do you want to, you know, can you edit?" They said, "Sure," but I don't want anyone to know that I was involved. So you're like, so he, so he says, it's like, he lays it right out, like in an email. And then you see like his edits, like in attached to the document, moving it all around. And then this, this, this particular publication was the third most downloaded publication published by Taylor and Francis, one of the big science publishers that puts out 2,500 scientific journals. It got downloaded 75,000 times It ended up being cited in BuzzFeed, um, in the News at Observer, the small newspaper down there by University of North Carolina, and in um, this other magazine called The Week. So this whole thing was orchestrated to call it a conspiracy theory from the very beginning.
0: More from Paul Thacker after a short break.
1: Tasks, deadlines, and projects. What if
2: your teams had a tool that brought everything together? Trello is the project management tool that powers collaboration for over 2 million teams across the globe, including 80% of
1: Fortune 500s. Trello brings teams together by tracking daily to-dos and provides a high-level view across projects and teams. From product development and design to support and production, Trello helps all teams move their work forward together. Thousands of IT
2: admins around the world trust Trello to keep their work safe. With Trello, your teams will have access to hundreds of top-tier integrations they can rely on. A big reason why Trello is top-rated for employee satisfaction. It's where companies do their best work. Trello for
1: enterprise. Learn more by Visiting Trello.com slash for enterprise. That's T R E L L O.com slash for enterprise.
0: Back to our interview with science and investigative reporter Paul Thacker talking about recently exposed emails by Dr. Fauci.
1: What the recent emails now show is that maybe Fauci was involved in another publication and editing it. We don't know yet.
0: Okay, stop just a second. We're going to go to those emails next, but I wanted to pause and make a comma here. Yeah. And say, you're an investigative reporter who's done scientific investigations. You were an investigator on Capitol Hill. Can you just right. give, before we go further, a briefly a little bit more about your background?
1: So I, um, I was, a, I, I, you know, I've been a long-term reporter. And then what happened was I was working at a small science journal um, and I investigated some bad things. I investigated, I I tripped over um, a letter that was sent to DuPont by a science for hire group where they were trying to explain how they were going to um, deny the science on a chemical called PFOA. And I reported about that, not knowing that one of the vice presidents for that company was on the board of the American Chemical Society where I was working. (laughs) So I got pushed out the door. Well, just so you know, that story that I wrote, that was the very first story about, because the the document was leaked by a lawyer named Rob Bilot, who you may have heard of because there was a movie out called Dark Waters that was put out about two years ago that he starred in about the whole history of everything about DuPont. So I've been doing these investigations about corruption, you know, now for like 15 years in science. And then I went and worked on the Hill doing investigations about corruption, mostly in the pharmaceutical industry, and helped to pass a bill called the Physician Payment Sunshine Act, um, which allows you now to go and look up your doctor to see who your doctor is taking money from. Because the vast majority of corruption in pharmaceuticals does not happen without the willing aid of physicians who are paid by industry to do the research studies, to go talk in front of the media, to teach other doctors um, and um, you know to get grants. So that's how the whole system operates.
0: Who'd you work for on the Hill? I, w-
1: I worked for Senator Grassley, who's um, a Republican from Iowa. And I was on a committee called the Senate Finance Committee, which I was doing investigations about healthcare because uh, the Senate Finance Committee oversees medicare and medicaid which are the two biggest um you know healthcare uh, uh federal health care programs and so we were very concerned about trying to control costs and one of the things we kept running into was corruption in pharmaceuticals i mean we're still running it to this day right i mean we're dealing right now with an opioid epidemic which was started by the pharmaceutical industry
0: so let's go back with that background you're a digger um Let's
1: go back to the most recent emails that you were starting to tell us about. So the most recent emails um, came out um, and they had originally come out through a Freedom of Information Act request. I want to say by either Buzzfeed or the the, the Washington Post, but they were heavily redacted. And one of the uh, House committees um, went and did what's called an in-camera review. And in-camera means that like, so in, so, in other words, the, the National Institutes of Health will not release these documents, but Congress has a right to see them, you know, what's called in camera, which means in an office. So, the investigators went into a room somewhere where they were set up and they could view the documents and they scribbled down notes, you know, they wrote down like what the, what, what the email said. And what we know now is that early on, Francis Collins, head of the National Institutes of Health, who just um, retired, was involved in trying to put down any. It's, it, the terms he used was put down um, anyone talking about you know different aspects of the pandemic that he didn't like. I can't remember if one was the Bar- the Great Barrington um, Declaration, but certainly the other one I was, was.
0: I think it was um, Dr. Jay Bhattachary of Stanford and those guys that were behind this alternate idea of what policy should be on COVID. Go ahead.
1: Right. And then another one was they wanted to put down these ideas that the pandemic could have started um, from a lab accident. So, I mean, we've kind of known this, I mean, like that suspected that this was going on. But what's happened is, is that these people at the National Institute of Health have been aided and abetted by science writers at the big publications. The, the ones that I think have been doing some pretty decent work has been the Wall Street Journal has, you know, been kind of a little bit more, I think, even handed in handling this. Um, I would also say the um, the opinion section of the um, Washington Post, Josh Rogan specifically, and then some other writers, also the editorial board. The editorial board, at the Washington Post a few months ago, actually called for Anthony Fauci to testify before Congress. Or, I'm sorry, Peter Daszak of the EcoHealth Alliance to testify before Congress, because we've got to figure out how this pandemic started. He's not um, he won't respond to my emails.
0: <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't responded he, to mine either. So,
1: yeah. Well, he's actually, just so you know, um, the reporter who's done more work on lab accidents than any other journalist in the United States is a woman named Allison Young, who was at um, USA Today, ProPublica. She's now teaching um, journalism for the University of Missouri Washington program. She's done like so much investigation. I mean, because she was in Atlanta for a while, so she did just tons and tons of reporting on this. He blocked her on Twitter. Uh,
0: You mean Alicia Mundy?
1: No, Allison Young.
0: Okay, Allison Young. Let me me, um, tell just a little brief story about, you mentioned the Washington Post opinion section did a good job. This tells you how racked up the news industry is. There was someone in a news article at the Washington Post early on who said the lab theory claimed the lab theory was debunked when it hadn't even been investigated. And this right. writer for the news section didn't attribute her opinion, which was wrong, right. but right. She wrote it as if it were facts. So it wasn't written like a news article, but it's in the news section. Right. Then along comes Josh Rogan in the opinion section who writes a news article that's more like a right. news article because it's right. attributed properly and it's written factually. And he calls into question the whole idea that it had been debunked. He actually had cables that showed uh, communications that led to the idea that this lab theory certainly hadn't been debunked and was actually pretty credible. So he's, in essence, debunking her fake debunking early on of the lab theory. But it's the opinion section doing the reporting and it's the reporting section doing the opinion.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's somewhat insane, but I can, I can give you some idea of why that's going on is it has to do with who your sources are. So the vast majority of people have been running to, um, you know, the scientists, you know, the NIH, HHS, you know, those kinds of people. Josh doesn't have, Josh Rogan does not have sources within the science community. Josh Rogan's, his vast majority of his sources are coming from the intelligence community, which has been much more objective and much more questioning of this issue about whether it came out of a lab or not. And so that's sort of the big divide that you're seeing also is the scientists are lining up behind the science, you know, funding agencies, whereas there's no real conflict of interest in the intelligence community. And they're much more questioning to the point that um, the last intelligence report on that came out, like I believe in November, Um, basically said that like both theories are equally credible. Like we don't know how this this thing started. But what's funny is you'll still hear science writers refer to this as a conspiracy theory, even though the intelligence community has come out and said very clearly, like it could be one or the other. We don't know. Now, the the one thing too is uh, about getting back to this point you make about this news article is the Washington Post is also the only news outlet that I'm aware of That has gone back and corrected their reporting where they called it a conspiracy theory that had been debunked. They went back and made corrections. And this happened around three months ago. Those corrections have not happened at the New York Times. They have not happened at Nature Magazine. They haven't happened at Scientific American, nor have they happened at Science Magazine.
0: Well, I think this is a microcosm of what's happening in the news and scientific industry at large on a lot of topics. I mean, this is just one thing we can measure, but I want to get your opinion on whether is it a combination of reporters who know better, actually they're not reporters, they're propagandists in my view, they've been placed at these organizations, they serve as mouthpieces for the establishment narrative, whatever that may be, and when they say ridiculous things that turn on your cognitive dissonance. They say the lab theory has been debunked when it hasn't even been investigated. When they call things conspiracy theories that are actually the most logical theory that you would be going with early on, these are the things that should make you sit up and go, that's not a real reporter. So is it people who know better and or are there a lot of reporters that just buy into whatever they're being fed you know by whoever their sources are and they're not doing critical thinking but they don't mean it they're trying they they believe what they're writing is true right. and they're trying to do their best what do you say
1: there's a couple of things going on um the one thing you have to understand is that like this is like this This affects everyone who's on a beat right you can't piss off your sources so if you're on a beat you know whether you're covering science whether you're covering you know international affairs the local government it's, it's, not, it's very hard to like basically poke those people very hard, like, you know, or the White House, like you just want to kind of report what they say. And then someone else has to come along after you've gotten them on the record and point out like, ah, this doesn't make sense. So that's partly it. It's, it's, it's the people who were just get, like in every area of journalism, they get, you know, drawn in by their own beat. There's a second thing going on though, specifically with these science writers. The vast majority of science writers studied science, and the vast majority of science writers love science. They love science. Now, there's a really interesting counter example of this, uh, another example of this that um, I ran across. The, you know, So everyone knows now that R. Kelly, the singer, right, was you know, sexually abusing little girls. Um, I, I think, is he in jail now? I'm not even sure where he is right now. But the person who first exposed this was a writer working at one of the Chicago newspapers back in like 2000. And he was ignored for years. And um, it finally started coming to light that, you know, that R. Kelly really is a sleazebag. I would say around 2012, 2013. And I saw an interview with this reporter where he was asked, you know, well, you know, and the reporter who was interviewing this journalist who first exposed all this stuff said, like, I used to criticize your reporting. I didn't think it was any good. Like, and you stuck around, like, what is going on like that people doubted you for so long? And it was really interesting what he said. He's now actually a journalism professor. He said, the thing about um, music journalists is that the vast majority of them got into music journalism because they're fans of the music. And so that's part of the problem is these science writers are not really reporters. They're not asking questions. They're fans of the science. They're in awe of the fact that they could like be in a room with a Nobel prize winner or a guy who runs a huge agency. And but so they're not-
0: fair. When you say they're fans of the science, they're actually being very unscientific by ruling out theories that haven't been ruled out and by grasping right. onto propaganda, that's not you know, right. provably false. So I think you're saying, and I found this when I worked on Capitol Hill, the reporters up there love those, love politicians. Right. It's, like a it's like a
1: groupie thing almost. Yeah, right. It's a groupie thing or fans. You can do a search
0: online, search for Paul Thacker and Substack. That way you can subscribe to his newsletter on the Disinformation Chronicles. I guarantee you'll learn a lot. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Leave us a good review, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Support independent journalism by visiting my new Cheryl Atkinson store. Check out justthenews.com online and don't forget to subscribe to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast, my other podcast, full measure after hours and all the just the news podcasts, wherever you like to listen, do your own research, make up your own mind. Think for yourself.
2: All right, folks, all of you know the story about my crick in my neck and how I bought a pillow a few years ago. And all of a sudden my neck just healed up. In fact, the orthopedist couldn't figure out what the heck had John done. It was simple. I just bought one of Mike Lindell's pillows, and I all of a sudden found I wasn't sleeping right on my pillow. Mike's pillows did the trick. Well, guess what? He's done it again. He's got something new. He's now introducing his new slippers. You want the best slipper ever the best foot experience late at night Well, Mike has got he took over two years to develop this he designed it to wear this slipper indoor and outdoor all day long it's comfortable it's durable it's made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue in the slipper and it's made with quality leather suede they look good they feel good they wear good for a limited time now mike is offering 50 percent off his new my slippers you will also receive a free book with any purchase the my slippers are so comfortable that you'll want to get some for the whole family it's a great gift especially heading into springtime. so here here's what you do you go to mypillow.com, and click on the radio listener square and use the promo code just news that's easy to remember right the promo code just news and you will get Deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and of course, the MyPillow towel set. And don't forget, y'all want those MySlippers, you gotta have them, they're incredible. Here's another way you can take advantage of this. You can call 800-951-3715 and use the promo code JustNews when someone picks up. Call 800-951-3715, use the promo code JustNews. Pretty simple stuff for the best slipper, sheet, pillow experience of your life.
1: Our heart is growing. Want to fly to Syracuse? Upstate has it all. Southwest is now selling nonstop service to Syracuse Hancock International Airport. With Southwest, you can enjoy low fares with two bags free and no change or cancel fees. Only at southwest.com. Big heart, low fares. Book your Southwest flight today from Syracuse Hancock International Airport.
0: Book now at Southwest.com.